You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hello, you're joining me for episode 251 of the Blended Family Podcast. And today I've got a guest who's an organization specialist. Her name is Darla DeMaro. We're going to hear from her in just a moment. And I just thought it would be a really good time to start thinking about these things because I know a lot of people usually wait until the springtime to do spring cleaning. But I always like to think about those things in January because it's the start of a new year and we've just spent a year at home in some of us in chaos and some of us maybe not so much, just depends on your family. But this guest has a lot of tips and ideas on how to get your house organized, especially if you're doing homeschooling and things like this. So stay tuned for that. Additionally, I will be giving away a copy of her new book at the end of the show. So make sure you stay tuned after the interview to find out if you're the winner. And if you're new and you're not sure how to even enter into these contests, all you need to do is join my mailing list. And by doing so, you will be automatically entered into these giveaways when I do them. Um, I used to do them monthly and I am going to get back to that. Uh, But for now, it's, you know, just whenever I've got something good for you. And so um, to join my newsletter, you just go to blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. And I want you to do that for that reason, but also it's a great way for me to have your information so I can get a hold of you. And I do not spam. I honestly, I'm not even that great about sending out the newsletters in a consistent manner, but I am thinking of possibly changing social media platforms soon. And I don't know how many of you are on, I know I actually have a lot of you on Facebook, but I have not been interacting very much on there. I'm very unhappy with Facebook. In addition, Facebook is getting sued by multiple people and so is Twitter for some massive censorship. Um, And so if you don't already know that, Uh, You know, our president was censored this week and shut down. And, you know, listen, whether you like our president or not, um, nobody should be being censored. And in this day and age, if they can do that to him, they can do it to any one of us. And they actually did. My my Twitter page went down. Um, And so this is happening on a large scale right now. And so I had moved over to Parler and Parler now was shut down. So there's just a lot going on, and I'm not even going to get into that. But please let me have your information so that if I do move or if something gets shut down, I have a way to let you guys know what I'm doing or what's going on with the show. And that is blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. Okay, and let's see what else. Um, Please share my show. There's a lot of people hurting right now you know we've just we've had a really tough year and things didn't just magically go away as some of us wished that it was going to we still find that we're in a bit of a mess in the beginning of 2021 here and so if you look around and you see a lot of people hurting around you and if there's any way that you can help them and they have a family maybe you can share the show with them I don't always talk about just 
you know, blended family issues. We talk about all kinds of things, but I really want to help as many people as I can. I'm sure you do as well. And if you are going to share the show, a great place to start would be last week's number 250 because I shared some top tips of the last six years of the podcast. And so it's just a great starting point for somebody if they want to kind of get a feel for what I'm about, what the show's about, and kind of my vibe. Plus, I share a little bit more personal information in that episode. If you missed it, go back, blendedfamilypodcast.com slash 250. That was last week's show. Next week, I've got Eric Zielinski coming on. And he's going to be talking about the healing power of essential oils. I love essential oils. I have had somebody on here before talking about this, but it was years ago. And it's always good to get another perspective and to get kind of a refresher. And uh, we use essential oils in my house almost on a daily basis. And so stay tuned next week if you want to know more about that. And if you have a topic idea that you'd like me to share or any feedback or any questions for me at all, you can always write to me, Melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com. So please enjoy this interview after a quick word from this week's sponsor, Fair. And don't forget to stay tuned at the very end so I can let you know who wins a copy of Darla's book. Divorce is never easy. And when children are in the picture, it can be extra tricky especially when communicating with your ex is a challenge. Now there's an app with you and your kids in mind. It's called FAIR, F-A-Y-R. FAIR is the easiest, most intuitive, and conflict-diffusing co-parenting app on the market. FAIR helps eliminate misunderstandings while also improving communication between co-parents. In the long run, creating a loving environment for your kids. Here's what you can do on the FAIR app. There's a time-sharing calendar to track custody, exchange days, and never forget those special events documentable text messaging, and an expense tracker so both parents can add and monitor expenses, track receipts, and add notes. GPS check-in, that's a court-verifiable way to document your presence at all GPS-verified locations. A monthly parenting report to download with your details. A private journal to take notes, add photos, and screenshots. A file vault to keep your records, photos, and documents organized and in one place. The opportunity to export all of your records into a convenient, time and date stamped PDF when you need documentation for legal matters. And there's a Spanish version of the app as well. FAIR allows you to experience co-parenting in a totally new way, simply, inexpensively, transparently, and fairly. Lose the he said, she said, and be the best parent you can be. Be F-A-Y-R FAIR. Subscribe at BeFAIR.com. That's B-E-F-A-Y-R.com. And then download FAIR from the App Store or Google Play. Go to fair.com for more details. And don't forget to use the promo code BLENDING to receive your special discount. About 15 years ago, Darla DeMauro left her longtime role as a corporate business manager with one goal in mind. She wanted to do work that came from the heart. And for Darla, who is naturally highly organized and driven, helping others create more peace and beauty in their lives was the perfect fit. She launched her professional organizing company, Heartwork Organizing, and became a certified professional organizer through NAPO, National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals, NAPO, one of only a few hundred in the whole world. Darla also has a new book out called The Upbeat Organized Home Office. 
So welcome to the show, Darla. Thanks for having me on. I can't uh, can't wait to get into this topic. I know your listeners are probably trying to figure out how to get organized right now. That's what everybody does in the new year. <laughs> yes, and that's why I'm so excited that you're here. I love today's topic. And as we head into the new year, because new years are always times for new beginnings and new ideas, it's a good time to have you. But also, because many of my listeners have spent the last year at home more than usual. And that could have gone one of two ways. Either you got super organized because you had more time and you wanted a better space while you were home, or the constant activity in the home caused a mountain of chaos, especially those of you who had to homeschool your kids. So today we're going to talk about why organization is so important in the home and in the blended family. Darla will be sharing some ideas on how to get more organized, and then we're going to talk about her new book and how to create a great home office. Uh, But before we get to all that good stuff, Darla, I'd love for you to share with us just a little bit more about you and maybe what prompted you to get into the organizing business. Absolutely. So organizers tend to come from one of two uh, disciplines. They were either hoarders to begin with, you know, or terribly organized and sort of turned their life around, or they're kind of They've always been organized to some degree and and they jumped ship and, and turned that organization that comes naturally to them into something that can help others. So I fall into that second category. Um, I came from a project management job in a corporate environment. I did that for a dozen years, and then I had a chance to switch gears, and I took it. And uh, so for the last, as you said, 16 years, I've been running this business. It's not just myself. I have employees, and I'm, I'm based in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, my client base has always been national and with the uh, pandemic now and everybody's doing virtual everything uh, that's actually become more commonplace. And so I'm working more with national uh, clients from really from coast to coast. Um, And I've even traveled internationally and spoken at some international conferences for organizers, professional organizers outside of the United States. So, um, so I have a, I have a very deep, corporate and business background. And I do think logically, which is uh, kind of think in a straight line, how do you get from here to there in the fewest steps possible? And not everybody thinks like that. So it's um, my approach and my system that I put together can be uh, a real benefit to people who have a different, um, who have a different set of skills, who have a different Uh, brain and thinking style. And I really enjoy coming alongside of my clients who are, let's be honest, mostly moms, mostly women, (laughs) not exclusively, but uh, but to a great extent. And uh, coming alongside those women and their families and, you know, making life better. I really do believe that, and I've seen it over and over again, uh, if you are organized or, or, or mostly organized, you can handle life's ups and downs a lot better than if you're always in a state of crisis and then get thrown yet another curveball that can just sort of push you over the edge. So organizing can make everything better. Doesn't mean you have to be perfectly organized all the time, um, but it's a better place to start than chaos. I totally agree. You know, we've had a house cleaning business for years and 
we go into homes and I see how many people truly really need this kind of help, but they probably don't even know that people like you out there exist. So this is a great conversation. And one of the things I love about you, Darla, is that you emphasize the importance of helping people find peace. And that's my mission with this show is just to help people find the peace within themselves while they're living with the challenges of a blended family. But in a blended family, sometimes there's nothing we can do about our circumstances except learn how to control our reactions to them. But with organization, you really can do something about it. You can clean the mess, organize the chaos, and you'll find that peace does return really quickly. And I know for me, I feel completely different when my home is neat and tidy as opposed to a disaster. Um, when I clean, I instantly feel calm, calmer. So Darla, in your words, I'd love for you to tell us why did you name the company Heartworks and why you think one can find peace through organizing? So when I left the corporate environment, I actually told my team that, uh, so I had a, a you know, a bunch of people working for me. And uh, at that point, I said to them, listen, I really hope that I don't know what's next for me. <laughs> I kind of jumped off the diving board, not knowing what was underneath me at that point. But I said, I, I'm not sure what's next for me, but I'm going to look for some really meaningful work. And, um, you know, I really want it to be um, something that helps people, something that, you know, feeds my soul. And I said, to my team, that's what I wish for you too. I don't want you just to feel like you're doing a hard corporate thing over and over again. I want you to be doing eventually work that comes from your heart. And that phrase just kept turning over and over and over again in my head. And so months after, just a few months after I had left my corporate position, I sort of backed into this job that I'm doing now. I had some neighbors who would call me and say, "Hey, uh, can you come hang a picture for me? And you can can you come help me? You know, clear out my kitchen. I'm I'm not able to do it on my own." And I would have neighbors in the small town that I lived in kind of reach out to me and ask me over and over again. And shoot, I was in between jobs. Why not? So, so I would go over and I would help them. And I I had already gotten uh, a reputation in my small town for being sort of a DIY fix it kind of gal. And uh, so it was a couple of months into figuring out what's going to come next for me that that I ended up setting up this job. It was originally this, this business of mine was a DIY handyman slash handy woman service. And within about 30 days, I realized that although I love swinging a hammer and, and uh, pulling out my electric drill, what I really loved was helping people get to a better place in their head and, and enjoy their homes more. And, um, and I could do that. And, and unlike a corporate job, and you just said it a second ago, Melissa, that in a corporate job, you can sit there and kind of do the same thing over and over again. And it feels like Groundhog Day after a while. But when you organize something, you get this instant gratification, right? You can, you can organize a drawer or a closet and step back and say, look, look, I did that. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> and I really enjoyed that feeling. And I loved when I could turn to my clients and, or my friends at that point and my clients later and see the smile on their faces and see how they literally just looked different than they had before we started. And so that was a real rush for me. And so I got the best of both worlds, right? I still got to do project management, but it was in these little bite-sized chunks and people would say, oh my gosh, you have no idea how many times I you know, I was tripping over shoes on the way into the mudroom, or you have no idea how I, 
how I uh, just hated that linen closet because I could never put anything away. It was always so shoved and stuffed full. So, um, so just these little projects really seem to resonate with people and make a big difference in how they viewed their homes. And, you know, let's face it, our homes are our biggest asset. So why on earth would you want to live in a home that you feel like you're fighting all the time? I want you to live in a home where you come home and you feel like it's a haven. And that's been always how I thought about my home and everybody else's home, even before this pandemic. And now this last year, your home needs to be your haven times 10, right? Because we don't have the other places in the world that we could go out and kind of uh, feel recharged or, you know, get, get sort of a sense of comfort our home is it, it's gotta be where, where our sense of comfort comes from. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. So that kind of brings me into my next topic, which is blended families, because I know that with blended families, even if one person says, you know what, I'm so organized, I'm going to keep my house perfect. When it comes to a blended family, that just kind of goes right out the window sometimes (laughs) because we often have more family than house as families are expanding sometimes from one or two kids to many in a short period of time. And if a family has four more kids, it's pretty difficult to make sure that everyone has not only their own room and space, but just room for everyone's stuff. It's just not practical or even affordable for many people to get a mansion that would provide everybody their own room. You know, my family's a perfect example of this. We have a four bedroom home, but we have four kids. We've got a mother-in-law that's always lived with us and then myself and my husband. And so for everyone in my house to have our own space, we'd need a six bedroom house. And that's just not practical. And we didn't do it because raising kids is temporary or it's supposed to be, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) But what really happens when two families merge, things can just become very disorganized, especially when we're trying to fit sometimes the belongings of two households down into one. So Darla, do you have a lot of experience working with blended families? And what are some of the unique challenges that you might see in a blended family home as opposed to a traditional home? Yeah. Well, you just mentioned the first one, actually, when you when you are kind of starting from square one and you're taking two families and you're trying to uh, make everything fit in one household. And usually, again, let's be honest, it's usually one household or one one house or apartment that one of the the households had uh, had lived in before. Right. So you're taking another new family and adding it in the space where one family lived before. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens, what inevitably happens there is you have a set of duplicates and it's, it's a duplicate of everything, right? From a second set of uh, another wardrobe, all the way down to the little things. You have two bike pumps, you have two uh, sets of silverware, you have two um, TVs where there only used to be one. Um, sometimes having two of things is is a good thing, but many times it's just literally two of everything. Um, so what happens? Well, you know, things get put a, either either jumbled in or they get packed away and and thrown in the basement, garage, or attic, um, or in offsite storage, which you're paying for, and um, and you know it can take it can take time for the families to decide which of the two things we're going to keep. You know, I remember when my husband and I first were dating, we weren't, we weren't bringing kids to the mix. This was pretty early, but um, I had one set of silverware. And when my husband, when my then boyfriend moved in with me, 
I said to him, why do you have three sets of silverware? You're a guy, you're a bachelor. <laughs> you know? And he said, well, you know, I have this nice set and then I have this other really nice set. And then I have the set I use all the time. Well, I'm my philosophy in life, Melissa, I don't know about you, but my philosophy is wear your diamonds every day. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what that means is get out the good China and use it. You know, yes, it's going to chip, but I'd rather have it chipped and loved than in storage. Um, you know, wear your diamonds every day. I literally wear diamonds with, uh, with blue jeans. That is nothing's wrong with that in my world. Um, you know, use your good stuff. So if you have a great coffee maker and you have a, you know, not so great coffee maker, I'm going to say, make sure the great coffee maker is the one that's out and accessible to everybody. Um, and donate the other one. You know, if you have things that are usable, but you're, they're just taking up space, people will say often, you know, there's a whole litany of, well, it's perfectly good and I might need it someday. And what if the other one breaks? And, you know, I don't feel good about getting rid of it because I spent money on it, you know, just on and on. I could go, any of this resonating with you, Melissa? <laughs> oh my gosh. Can I, if I want to interrupt you actually to tell you what just happened, because as you're talking about this, this exact thing happened to me. We, we've been living in this house for, I think, um, I don't know, 10 years or something like that. And when I first moved here, it was when we first combined our families and we packed so much stuff away into the attic. And just last month, my husband got down the Christmas decorations and he goes, you know what? I'm going to take everything down out of the attic because we're trying to move soon. And, uh, and yeah, so he took down everything and I saw things that I haven't seen. I had my babies who are now teenagers, their baby stuff in a box, like like the, you know, first hair and like things that I haven't seen in forever and extra pots and extra appliances for my kitchen that I thought that I didn't have that I've already gone out and purchased seconds and thirds of because I had no idea that I already had it packed away. So yes, this totally resonates with me. Um, and I, I wish that I had you back then because I probably would have used my good stuff. And because so much of my good stuff I packed away and it is no longer good because it was up in my attic for 10 years, you know? So yep. yes to everything that you're saying. Yes. Yeah. And it can be hard, you know, when you're, when you're in a new relationship uh, and maybe that's when you combine before it's legal or, you know, sometimes, I mean, even if it's, even if you've gotten married, even if you've made that commitment, sometimes it can still not feel, you know, gelled and solid yet. And so maybe in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I'm just going to hang on to these things just in case. Well, I listen for that term just in case, you know, if I ever hear my clients say that phrase, I always kind of stop what we're doing, look them in the eye and say, tell me more what's going on there. Because that just in case is telling you something. Um, and if you think about if, if you just say, oh, I'll just hang on to this just in case, you know, I have an attic, I can put things up there. It's no big deal. Right. Um, but that just in case is telling you something. And if you, if you evaluate it, if you kind of listen to yourself just a little bit, you might hear the, um, you know, the, the hesitation and the, and talk through whether you really need to hedge your bets and keep those things just in case. And like you said, Melissa, what we tend to do, what we humans tend to do, and uh, people will hear the, hear themselves in what I'm about to say. Um, but we, you know, we squirrel these things away and we put them um, aside. We forget that we have them and then we go and buy replacements because we couldn't find the original or we forgot we owned it. 
And that's exactly what you just said a minute ago. It happens every day in this country. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, it's, it, that's working against you, right? That's wasted money. That's wasted real estate in your home because you're storing the original. You just couldn't find it. You couldn't put your hands on it. Um, and that, that clutter can build up and really cause relationship stress, which is that relationship stress is not going to serve you well. And in any household where it's more than just you, uh, you know, the, the, the relationship stress is really what you want to reduce by having a less cluttered household. I have so many stories, you know, family stories, blended and not blended, but you know, who was it? Anna Karenina, the first line of that Tolstoy book is uh, each, each family is unique. No, what is the, the line? Each family is unhappy in its own way, I think is how that starts. Ah. So, um, and I, I think that's true. You know, every family is unique and some families are a little bit stronger in areas. Some families are a little bit weaker in areas. You know, blended families can be really strong with really great relationships. Um, but any, any counselor of any kind will tell you that relationships take work and um, they don't just happen. And one of the things that we find can be a flashpoint in any sort of relationship, whether it's parent and child or um, a, a, a birth family or a blended family, or like you mentioned, you have a multi-generational family living under the same household, uh, which I just heard a stat last week. I don't know if you heard the same stat. Um, recently, we had about 12% of American families were multi-generational families under the same roof. And uh, this year, it's um, it's up to about 20%, wow. which is a huge, huge number. I mean, when you're talking about cultural change and, you know, the way that we're living, uh, making, and I, I don't know what the time frame was for that, but it, that was a big stat. I don't remember stats like that very often, um, but I just heard that this week. So anyway, um, You've you've got more people under the same roof. You're right. You're gonna need you're gonna need more space for the people uh, and their things. And so it's gonna take more work. Just like improving relationships will take more work, but it's gonna take more work to get organized. I believe it's worth the work, right? Um, and that's that's why I'm in the job that I'm in, uh, and that's why I've created the company that I've created. What I don't think we need to do is to start from scratch every time. And that's why I created the sort and succeed system. And so sort and succeed is an acronym that stands for the five steps to organize anything. And again, my background is coming from project management. I'm always looking for ways to do things faster, better, cheaper, and I want people to get good results from organizing. I don't just want people to move things from one side of the room to the other and say, oh, I feel like I'm organizing all the time, <laughs> right? That doesn't get you to your goal. So sort and succeed is the five steps to organize anything. And it's very simple. Uh, I didn't say it was easy, but it is simple. Um, it's simple to learn. It's simple to apply to any space in your home, as well as non-space things like papers and financial management and even photo management. And it's something that you can teach your kids. You know, we're always, uh, I mentioned my kids are in middle school and their, their teachers are always giving them these little 
uh, like songs and sayings, like every good boy does fine, right? I don't even remember the notes, but I know that every good boy does fine is a way to learn the musical notes on a treble clef. You remember learning that, Melissa, in school? That one I missed somehow. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but I know like the the Roy G. Biv and I know all the other uh, yeah, yeah. abbreviations for everything. So yeah, I know what you're saying. So, um, so that's really what Sword and Succeed is. It's a way to learn how to organize so that you don't have to, you know, every weekend or every time you go in your kid's room, think, oh, now we got to start from scratch again. How do I, how do I clean this up? How do I organize? I want you to have five steps that move you very logically and quickly through an organizing project. And what I realized in working with my clients over and over again was that there were, there were the same points that they were getting stuck. And it was the same thing every time with most of my clients. And the two big ones are that people have a hard time getting started with an organizing project and they have a hard time feeling finished. So we, um, we, I put together the sort and succeed. The first step is to start with a written goal. That's no longer than about five words. So in a blended family, the, you know, the walking in the house can be a stressor, right? Uh, it could be the mudroom or wherever you come in the house. Oh, there's too many coats. There's too many bags. There's too many shoes. Well, um, so your goal, your written gold on a, uh, an organizing project that you're starting could be as simple as I'm going to organize the shoes or I'm going to just organize the coats, right? I'm going to, I'm going to declutter. I'm going to get rid of a a handful of coats that nobody wears anymore. That's your goal, right? And if you have that, it's a heck of a lot more manageable, manageable, sorry, than um, I'm going to organize the house today, right? That's too big. Organize the house or even organize the, the first floor. That's too much for most people, but I can line up all the shoes in the mudroom in about 15 minutes. And that's a good place to get started. So that's the S in Sort and Succeed. And then the second step is, once you know what you're focused on, what your goal is, what your written goal is, um, then the second step is to organize things into groups. And so that means, let's take the mudroom example. Um, I don't know, Melissa, is the mudroom a a place that, that causes you stress in your house? Uh, no, but let's pretend it does because okay. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go with the mudroom because I know for a lot of people and a lot of the houses that I clean, um, it's it's like that the place where everybody comes and dumps everything. So yeah, let's go with that. Okay, so the mudroom, uh, the project is the one we've we've designated. Then organize into groups. So put all the shoes together, put all the boots together, put all the coats together. You know, just literally getting all of those things all in the same spot. And uh, once you have them all together, then you can move on to step three. And by the way, the groups might be different for every project, right? So I don't prescribe what those groups are, but you'll know if you get into the mudroom, um, you know, coats versus winter gloves, for example. And if you live in Florida, why do you have winter gloves all over the room uh, all the time? You know, maybe that's not... Uh, that's that's an easy one for you to say, hey, this doesn't really make sense. Why do I have winter gloves all over the place? We wear them once a year. We never wear them or we only wear them when we go skiing. They shouldn't be out all the time, right? So get them all into a group. And then the third step is reduce, release, and reset. And this is important. We don't ask you to go in and start getting rid of stuff. That is not step one and two, right? We ask you to make a plan and then organize things into groups. Step three is to reduce and release 
And then once you've done that, you can start to reset and put the room back together. The reason we wait until step three to, to actually start getting rid of things is because if I ask you about one thing in the absence of having all of its brothers nearby, <laughs> it's, it's very hard to say, yes, I should keep that or no, I shouldn't keep it. But if I get everything in a group, like all the winter gloves, I'm up in the uh, Northeast. So, you know, we look at winter gloves uh, half of the year. So if I get all the winter gloves together, I can tell where I have singles or where I have gloves that are too small for, for the people in my family. And it's really easy for me to say, yeah, I can part with those. I can donate them. I can move them out. Um, but if I ask, should I keep these things in the absence of having all the other ones like it nearby? It's really hard for us to make decisions. So that's what step three is about reduce and release based on what your groups are. And then you start to put the room back together and that's the reset. And this was another area where I found that people were having a hard time because not everybody's a designer. Not everybody has that sort of logical thought process that I have. So, um, so we get into putting the room back together. And again, you want to kind of group things together. Okay. Do all the coats need to go together? Well, maybe all the kid coats need to be in one place and all the adult coats need to be in another. I've been in so many houses where, you know, especially the older houses, the coat closet's actually really tiny and the kid coats, uh, the, the children's coats just are not going to fit. Like there's a geometry problem, right? <laughs> I always tell people I'm really good at organizing, but I am not a magician. I mean, if your coat closet is only so big, there's only so much going in it, right? Yeah. So, so maybe what we do is we say, the coat closet that's rather small is where the adult coats get stored. And then all the kid coats get put on hooks outside of the, the coat closet, you know, maybe on the wall next to the coat closet. So that's where you start to reset and you get creative about how you're going to solve the problems that exist in the space that you're trying to organize. Again, just with that one little goal that you've, that you've um, outlined in your, in your step one. So then once you've uh, organized, you've, you've, you've found your goal, you've stated your goal in five words or less, you've organized into groups, you've started to reduce and release, um, and you've started to figure out what you can donate, what you can get out of the house that you don't actually need uh, to reset the space. And then you might not actually be organized. You're on your way, but you're not actually done at that point. So step four is tweaking the space. And when you're talking about blended families and children, it is really important to get them on board and spouses too, actually. Um, just because you are organized, I think you said exactly this a minute ago, Melissa, just because you're organized doesn't mean everybody in your family is. That's right. And, and here's another shocker. Other people in your family might be organized, but in a completely different way than you are. So if you organize a space, you need to to sort of circle the wagons and let people know what you've just done and what your expectations are. So uh, you ha have to, I know it sounds crazy, but you have to actually say to people, hey, people, put the mail here when you bring it in from the mailbox. Hey, people, shoes need to be lined up against this wall, right? Hey, people, don't take the coats to your, you know, don't lay the coats anywhere. Don't take them to your room. Hang them on these hooks. I know it sounds crazy, but it's what might be obvious to you is not obvious to everybody else. Just because there's a hook on the wall doesn't mean people know what it's for. So that's step four is tweaking your space. And um, this, by the way, you haven't heard me say anything about buying anything yet. Have you, Melissa? No, I have not. 
good because we don't buy anything when we're trying to get organized. Not at first, at least. And I know so many people are thinking, when is she going to get to the bins? What type of bin should I buy? I'm really not about that. I mean, honestly, do we need more plastic in our lives? That is not the end game here, okay? The end game is really finding a way to live in your space. And I tell people all the time, if you bring more plastic home, your home is going to look like a plastic warehouse. And I don't think that's what your goal was. So use what you have first. But at step four, if you've done step one, two, and three, um, you know, to the T, then in step four, you have my permission to go and upgrade things that can, in fact, help you get organized. Or maybe you've used a bin before and you like the way it worked, but it wasn't pretty. So maybe now you can swap out your shoe boxes that you've been dealing with, you know, and kind of making do with to uh, a nicer bin that looks like something that belongs in your home and, and, you know, makes you smile, right? That's really what we want. We want a beautiful home that makes us smile. So that's step four. And then step five, and I want to spend just a second on this, but step five is to succeed and celebrate that success. So step five is not actually doing any organizing at all, but it's very important because it trains your brain to stay organized. And the next organizing project that you have because you've given yourself a reward in step five for the last project you did, your brain then says, hey, I can organize. I did organize. And then next time I organize, it's going to be even better. And there's a bit of brain science in this. We don't necessarily need to go into it here. It is in my book called Organizing Your Home with Sort and Succeed. It's in chapter two called Organizing in the Brain. I'm kind of a neuroscience nerd. That, that'll be my next job and my next career if I get that opportunity. Um, but we know, we as parents know that, this, that we should be rewarding ourselves because we do it naturally with our kids, right? If our kids do a good job, what do we do? We say, add a girl, add a boy. We take them out for ice cream. We give them some sort of reward, even if it's a you know pat on the back as we walk through the kitchen. It can be small. It can be large. But rewarding yourself for getting through your organizing project and succeeding at your organizing goal, even if it's a very small goal, like, organize, like lining the shoes up in the mudroom or organizing your junk drawer in the kitchen, rewarding yourself, because who else is going to do it? <laughs> um, rewarding yourself primes the pump and, and trains your brain to do more organizing next time. So that's the five steps of sort and succeed. And, uh, you know, it's, I took a minute to explain it, but once you, once you get that down, you can apply that to every single room in your home. So you don't have to walk in and say, okay, great. Now what do I do? You know, you don't have to walk into a room and say, oh my God, it's going to take all day to clean up these toys. What you can do is break this down and do sort and succeed over and over and over again. And I want you to break it down into small bits so that you can reward yourself and celebrate over and over and over again. How does that sound? This sounds amazing. I actually love so many things about what you said. Um, I love the sort and succeed steps because I think that people really need that. Um, we need some kind of direction because it is overwhelming, especially when you look at and you, you see the mess everywhere and you're like, oh my gosh, where do I start? In fact, my, my mother-in-law who lives with us, she is a recovering hoarder, I will say. She used to be a hoarder, but we she knows she can only take it so far here in this house. But 
she has, I'm going to teach this to her because for the last year, we're like, you know, mom, we're going to be moving soon. Like you got to start going through your room, but she's so overwhelmed. And this is just one room of her house, but you know, she, I'm going to tell her, I tried to tell her, I'm like, just take a corner, just do, just do this one section. But this is a really good guideline. Um, and another thing that you did say where you were talking about, um, you actually have to tell people what you expect. Um, I love that. I think it's completely true. And I would only add to that, like it takes 21 days to create a habit. So if you tell your kids on Monday, Hey, the shoes go here from now on, don't expect that on Tuesday, they're going to remember, or even on Wednesday, like it's probably going to be a lot of reminding in the beginning, um, especially if you have a new setup to get everybody on board. And that can sometimes be annoying for the reminder, the person who's doing it, but it really, after a few weeks, they will catch on, I think. I mean, I've seen it with my own eyes with my own kids. It just takes a lot of um, repetition in the beginning. But it takes repetition and making sure that that your expectations are clear, but also that the, the, the setup is, is, uh, there for them to be successful. So, you know, a lot of times people say, uh, parents will say, go clean your room. Well, if your kid doesn't have a dresser or if they had a whole dresser before, and then their, you know, step kid, step, step brother or sister moved in and they had to give up two drawers to the, you know, out of the dresser to their stepbrother. Um, well, guess what? They don't have a way, they don't necessarily have the tools to clean up their room, right? So you got to make sure that they have a, um, a place to put things away. If you don't know where things go, how on earth will your children, right? So you got to make sure that everybody is successful, can be successful by setting up those systems and then telling them. I love that. Um, I do have a kind of an aside question because the area in my home that gets completely disorganized on a daily basis, no matter how hard I try, is my refrigerator and my pantry. And I could go in there and I could spend two hours and I can organize everything. And I can have the cans here and the pasta here and everything has a spot. But nobody in my family will, even if I ask them to put it back, I'm like, just put the ketchup where you got it. It was right there. Just put it back there. I don't understand. Why do we just throw everything back in the fridge? But um, it's just something that I'm finding a really big challenge. Do you have any tips for that? Or do you, do you think, is that a common um, complaint with people? Oh, yeah. So many tips for that. Um, and in fact, in January here, you know, on my blog, we do, I, I actually do one article a day, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> if you, anybody who blogs out there, you know, posting a new article every single day, like a thousand word article with pictures is, is a lot, but I want to, I want to do that um, so that people can have these visuals and they can, they can think about their own home. Like you're thinking about your refrigerator and your pantry being the hotspots and actually the kitchen is what we focus on in January um, because it really can impact so many other things. You know, the food that we have in our lives impacts our health. Um, it impacts our money because a lot of us throw way too much food out. Mm -hmm. The stat is that the American household throws some somewhere between, depending on your household, throws out between $360 and $2,000 worth of food every year. That mm -hmm. is crazy. So if you can get a handle on organizing your, your kitchen, your pantry, your, your refrigerator, you not only save money, but you can, you can impact your kid's health for a lifetime. You feel better and, um, and you're more organized, you know, your house works better. So in the, in the pantry, 
and even in the refrigerator, uh, you got to start with labels. And here's the shocker, okay? I'm not saying label it because that's what you do when you organize. Very specifically, labels work, especially for parents, when you're talking about parents to kids or parents to the spouse who, you know, maybe is a little ADHD. And I say that lovingly. Um, But labels are the way that you delegate when you can't be standing there. Okay. So labels are not, I don't want you to do labels because they look good in magazines or because they sell them at the container store. I don't care if they're even pretty labels. Um, But if you expect for pasta to sit on the shelf, on this particular shelf, like on the left-hand side of this shelf, and that's where you want to see the pasta, when you go to make dinner, you don't want to be looking in the rest of the pantry for it, then put a, a label there that says pasta, okay? Will it always be there? Yeah, probably not perfectly. Um, do you have a better shot of putting it there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Same thing with uh, you know, with your kids and their clothes. If you label the drawer a sock drawer, will the socks always end up in there? No, probably not. But they have a better shot of landing there because of the label than if you don't have a label there. My kid, uh, you know, she would she reorganizes things all the time. I'm not sure she's a pro yet. Um, but sometimes I'll go in and I'll say, why, why do you have this in the drawer? And she'll say, oh, I just decided that was going to be the drawer for the Legos. And I'm like, no, 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 it's a sock drawer. Well, if we haven't agreed on that and there hasn't been a label applied to that drawer, why not? You know, from her standpoint, it's fair game. Right. So, uh, so labels in both the pantry and the refrigerator are a good thing, but probably not for the reason you thought, right? Um, the other thing is figure out, uh, you know, what your, what your kids' capabilities are, right? Because for younger kids, putting food in the pantry or, you know, helping to put uh, groceries away when you come back from a grocery shopping trip, like just getting them in the pantry is a win, right? (laughs) But somewhere about, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten, that same kid, you you can advance their skill a little bit and you can say, look... I appreciate the help, but I really want the soup cans all together. Do you think you could make that happen? <laughs> so, so again, just being really explicit. And as your kid matures and they get more skills and they're, um, you know, you know your kid best, right? Some kids can't do that until they're in their teens or, or even in their 20s, to be honest. And some kids are like at seven. They want everything in its place. And so, you know, your kid best, um, you know, help support them, learn how to organize better. Um, And the same thing, again, I know I said this a minute ago, but the same thing with your spouse, do not assume that your spouse knows how you use your house in the same way that you know how you use your house. And um, although it might seem like you're repeating yourself over and over and over again, you know, there's a way of saying to your spouse, like, gosh, darn it, can't you put the soup cans in the right place? That's probably not as you know as productive as you want it to be, um, but what you, what you might do is just take them aside and say, "Hey, you know, I appreciate that you're helping in the kitchen, but you may not realize like I usually put the soup cans on the left side of the shelf. Could you do that instead of putting them on the right side of the shelf?" When you do that, you'll find that they have um, they they probably had some thought in their head that you never would have registered. Um, I'll give you just one really quick example, and this is sort of pandemic life for a lot of us. When we all went home, and my kids have been home, home, you know, at home schooling now since March 13th of 2020. Um, I think we're on day 290 something. They actually keep marking it on the calendar. 
but when, when I realized we were going to have to do breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, until this thing blew over, Mm -hmm. I actually said, I, I had a family meeting, which is not our norm. And I said to my kids, look, here's how you make a meal. You need a protein, you need a vegetable or a fruit, and you need some sort of a carbohydrate base. And we talked about what each of those things were. And, um, and my kids, like they've been eating in my house for, you know, 11 or 13 years, depending on which one we're talking about. They should have known this, right? We, I make, I make dinner every night. We eat at home almost every night. And I've been doing this for literally years. I, however, had to stop and explain to them exactly how we put a meal together in a healthy way. And um, just this week, my my daughter, who is 11, she's uh, she's gunning for a gerbil. She wants to have a gerbil. <laughs> so she said, Mom, I'm going to take over making dinner. Okay, well, I'm only going to let her get so far. But we went, we, we went back and we talked about how do you put together a meal? And she said, okay, I know you need meat and I know you need a vegetable. And I said, what's the third thing? And she's like, um, 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 you know, we talked and that was an opening for us to talk about. The third thing is some sort of a pasta or a grain or rice. And, um, and she got it like that is a skill that she will now carry with her into her adulthood and whether or not she makes dinner, you know, every night for the next month, I don't even care, but I love the fact that we, you know, we talk about that. They, they go into the pantry, they know I need these three things to put together a meal and they're learning. Will they get it perfectly all the time? Absolutely not. But I love that they're learning. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful that you were able to, to get them to do that. And I bet you there's a lot of parents listening that are probably like, Oh, you know what? That's a really good idea for me to try because they're tired of cooking three meals a day for months and months and months. So let's talk about 2020. I'm sure you've seen some different challenges pop up. This is such an exciting year. Um, And I know that there's, you know, parents are needing to work from home. Students are needing to learn from home. Families are being forced to be quarantined in so many cases. So I want you to speak to my struggling families who are in this situation right now. They're all at home together trying to learn remotely and work. And many parents are doubling as the teacher and the provider. And this has been so tough for so many. And so I'd love it if you could just share a few tips or ideas on how to create a more functional space for these families who are all home together. And I know you have experience with this, not only in work, but in your personal life now too. So, Yeah, this is my story, right? So I have two middle schoolers. When this all came down, I said, you're not going back to school for a long time. And uh, this, this year, I actually made the decision to not send them back to school physically, even when our school did open. And it's sort of been, you know, back and forth, like a lot of families, like they're in school, they're out of school. I was like, you know, I can't deal with that. Just you're going to be in at home. We're just going to stay safe. And so we have, we have two adults working from home. We have two kids um, that are schooling from home. Now, um, what I'm about to say, I think you need to, you need to just really realize that the younger the child is, they're just going to need more handholding, right? They're going to need more time. So, yeah, there's an investment of time. We are being the teacher and the lunch lady and the nurse. You know, this is we're we're doing all those jobs right now. So, um, but I think just boiling it down, what made what made it work for us and what is continuing to make it work for us is um, I made sure that every single person has a desk, and that meant in one case we bought a new desk. In another case, we um, we pulled an old desk up from the basement. We put it in my daughter's room. She was thrilled to have it. 
Um, and in another case, we turned our living room um, into, which normally people are not in during the day, right? But it's right next to my my office where I have an office in my home. And um, so we, we ended up with, uh, I think it was seven desks before we were all done. And I have an employee that comes into the house. So, you know, really, literally every room in our home is getting used um, during the day. And uh, the only thing that I didn't want is I didn't want the kids in their rooms because I needed to be closer to them to handle, you know, the problems that they were having with school during the day. So, uh, so that was number one, kind of make a space for everybody, even if it's only a corner of the living room. Uh, we had to turn our, our family room into an office. We had to turn our living room into an office, but not the whole room, just a corner, right? So my so we still were able to put the the uh, Christmas tree in the living room, and um, just I just think it's really really important to have make sure everybody has that space where they can work, and then if possible, and I know it's a it's a sort of stretch for some households, but if possible, make sure that everybody also has kind of their own hidey hole, their own personal space that they can go into. We happen to have a second staircase in our house. And so it's kind of the back staircase and there's a back hallway that leads to nowhere. It's this little, it's, it's about two and a half feet wide by about six feet long. And, uh, it just, it's a weird little space. It actually goes up to the attic, but if you're not going up to the attic, that it kind of feels like you're at the end of a hallway. So anyway, I turned that little space into my daughter's art studio. And so I, I, you know, I put something down on the floor. So if she drips a little bit of pain. It's not a big deal. It's kind of on this drop cloth. And I basically put a curtain up on the back half of that, that hallway. And she goes up there and paints and uh, listens to her music. And that's it. That's her space. My other daughter spends a lot of time in her room, which isn't ideal. Um, I'd, I'd like to see her a little bit more often, but you know, she knows that that she can go in, close the door. That's it. That's her space. Um, so I really just made sure that everybody had their own space in the summer. I kind of made sure they all, they both had spaces outdoors where they could play and not have to be bothered by each other. Um, this, this past weekend, uh, I know if I mentioned snow, Melissa, you won't, you won't know what I'm talking about, but (laughs) we had, uh, some, some, uh, both of my daughters were going to meet a friend and they were going to be outside and walking around. Well, it was, it snowed and it rained and it was cold. And I thought, that's not going to work out. So, so I did offer to my daughters, you know, I will pull the car out of the garage and we actually do park in a garage. And I said, I'll pull the car out and we could put some patio chairs in and you can hang out with your friend in the garage with the door open. So you're still outside, but you're protected from the rain, you know, if you want to do that. So I'm really just, I'm all the time I'm being creative about how everybody can have their own little space. Um, and the other thing that I, I swear to God, I don't know why this isn't like a number one on everybody's list. Yes, you need a desk, but everybody in my house has two sets of headphones or earphones, uh, ear pods, whatever. They've got two sets. Uh, one, just because that keeps the noise level down. And then two, they have a second set in case the first set breaks. Or, you know, sometimes you wear your your, uh, your ear phones, um, what am I trying to say? The ones that stick in your ear, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. You, sometimes you wear those and you get a headache from them. So I, I gave them each a set of headphones so that go, they go over the ear so they can swap out. Right. Um, and that's been really important to us, not only to keep the, 
um, the noise level down, but so they can listen to their own music. We don't have to, you know, we all don't have to listen to the same thing. And um, that's been really important for us just, just to get along. So that's, you know, a lot of tips. Um, the thing is you don't, I don't want anybody listening to this podcast saying, well, my house isn't big enough, or, you know, I don't have a room with a door on it, or I don't have a room that I can call an office. You have space in your house. You just really have to get creative about it. I really love that you said that because that is one of the problems with blended families is we often don't have enough space. You know, for instance, in my house, we have we have a dedicated office, but I can't work in there because there is no door and it's in the front of the house where it's very noisy and the kitchen's right there. And one of my daughters sleeps in there when she comes to visit. And so it's just not practical. So I had to put a second desk in my bedroom which, you know, some people say, well, I don't want to work in my bedroom, but that's the quiet area for me when I do my podcasting. And so I think I love that you said that just get creative. It might not be your typical office space that you would normally think, but you can carve out and create areas in your home. Even I love what you did for your daughter with the art area. There's spaces like that in your house that you could find. And so um, I think don't get upset if you don't have an office space, just figure out, you know, how to create it and contact Darla because she can definitely help. Um, so I think yeah, that's one. Yeah, absolutely. Don't go it alone. If you're, if you feel like, oh, I don't know how to make this work. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm out of ideas because shoot, a lot of us are just out of ideas at this point. You know, I said to my girlfriend the other day, I'm just so tired of being creative all the time. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, we're being creative about how we do everything right now. Okay, well, we can't do a birthday party. So, you know, what do we do instead? Um, but you don't have to go it alone. Like we're, you know, what one of the things that we have been doing all year long um, this year is virtual organizing. But the thing is, we actually have been doing virtual organizing for 16 years. One of my very first clients um, in my business was out in Ohio and I was here in Pennsylvania and we did virtual organizing, but it was, it was kind of old school. Now it's so much easier and I can look at your space and do a space plan. You can, you know, if it's not me, you can contact a local designer. Um, but you just don't have to go it alone and you can get creative. And the other thing that you said, Melissa, is, um, you know, you carved out this little space in your bedroom. Don't think about how you're going to use a room. Uh, think of it in, in like nooks, right? Think of it in these tiny little spaces. All you need for a really good desk, if you have about 36 inches wide, uh, the, the, the depth of a desk can, can vary anywhere from about 20 to, to 30 inches. But um, you need about 36 inches of width to be able to pull up a chair and be in uh, a nice desk working area. And, and yes, you do need a desk. I really, I saw an article the other day that, sure, you can be productive from, from bed. And uh, okay, maybe in certain cases, you know, but sitting on the sofa day after day is not good for your back. It's not good for your health. Um, we know that a sedentary lifestyle is not good. I really do recognize, uh, recommend that you carve out a desk, uh, a little desk space. And you can, you know, you can do that so many different ways. I have so many desk, desk setups and home office setup, home office, sorry, setups on my blog. And so if you just go to the website and you need some inspiration, just, you know, look at all these home offices that I've been in, that I've set up, that I've created out of nothing and, you know, adapt it for your house and, and those little spaces that you have that are, that are going unused right now because we all have them. 
Yeah, and I will definitely add your um, your website to the show notes so people can go take a look at that. Your blog sounds totally interesting. I definitely want to check out the January stuff about the kitchen because that's my problem area. But just for fun, I just want to talk a little bit about our children. I know we talked a little bit about them already, but we know kids are messy and teenagers can be downright disgusting. You'll see when you get there. You're not there oh, yet. Yeah. But, um, oh, yeah, I'm there. <laughs> darling because we have a house cleaning business so my husband and I were very clean and neat and we model that type of behavior every day yet every single one of our four kids is a slob and we just don't understand it and I know there there are some tidy kids out there but a lot of them aren't so I'd love to know um, for my listeners and myself if you have any ideas on how to help get kids organized or get them to care about it or is that just wishful thinking at this point Well, the good news is, and I think you know this from all the parenting classes that we've taken and books that we've read and whatever, that, um, that the good, that the kernels of, you know, good behavior and, um, organizing and all of that, those kernels that you're planting, you know, it's like, it's like taking care of yourself and money management and all these things that we try and catch our, teach our kids, those kernels are down. They may be way deep down in there right now, but you know, as your kids become adults, you'll probably see those um, organizing skills coming out. And it's funny because my kids aren't necessarily organized at home, but we'll go, I'll, I'll go to parent teacher meetings. um, And those, those teachers will say to me, your kid is the most organized in the class. Um, So you don't necessarily see it, but other people are seeing it. And, and, you know, keep working on it just because you don't see it. Don't assume that you're failing. (laughs) So, but, you know, as far as um, helping your kids, again, I think verbalizing, because a lot of parents are like, you know, it's obvious. It's obvious. The coats go here. Why are you not doing that? Don't come at it from a, and it's obvious. Why aren't you doing the obvious thing standpoint, right? Come at it from the standpoint of, you know, Hey, I was thinking about, uh, the fact that, you know, it's a little messy in the mudroom. Um, what do you think? And just kind of leave it open. And your kid will tell you something that might never have occurred to you. Right. And um, so so my my kid, my older daughter, who's 13, um, and actually both of them, one of the things I think that you can do to help is what I do with my, my 13 year old. I'll go into her room and I'll say, um, so I see you have clothes on the floor. I'm just going to sit on the bed here. I have a couple of like emails to, to respond to, but while I'm doing that, why don't you uh, pick up your clothes and put them where they need to go? So I'm not doing the work for her. I am actually doing what's called body doubling. So I'm, I'm supporting her in that I'm being in the space and I'm saying, Uh, you know, why don't you go do this? Show me that you can do this. And inevitably something comes out of that, that, that I need to learn. Um, My younger daughter recently, I was in a room. And so I go into her room and I say, I'm just going to sit at your desk and I'm going to answer a few emails or or read my book or whatever. It's, it's hard to be on the phone while you're doing this because that sends a mixed signal to the kids. Um, So it's better if you can go in with like a book or, you know, write, writing something with a pencil and paper. It's, it's not as confusing about like, why do you get to be on your phone and I don't get to be on mine, right? Um, but anyway, so I went in, sat down. My daughter's organizing her room. She's kind of cleaning up the floor. And she says, to, uh, and uh, you know, I'm like, hey, do, are you okay? Can you get from here to there? Do you, you know, what do you need? She says to me, hey, mom, can I get a trash can in my room? Okay, now, like this is a, a 
you know, palm to forehead moment, right? I'm like, hey, what? Huh? You don't have a, a trash can in your room? How did we miss that? So of course she's got trash in her room on the floor because she doesn't have a trash can. Now forget the fact that from an adult standpoint, this is ridiculous because the bathroom adjoining her room has a trash can in it 10 steps away. You got to make it easier for kids, right? So so it was an easy it was an easy answer. I went down to the basement. I found a sort of an old it wasn't really a trash can, it was kind of like a tin bucket, but it serves the the role perfectly. And it fits in her room and she's happy to have it. And voila, now I don't have any of those little crazy pieces of paper on the floor that she always has from all of her little art projects. It was an easy solution, but I only found out that she needed a trash can because I was in there when she was cleaning her room. So it's, yeah, it's things like that. You just got to be open to, you know, what your kid needs to tell you. Those are great tips. And I, I, I know we're running out of time, but I definitely want to talk before we go about your new book, The Upbeat Organized Home Office. And like I just mentioned earlier, people are working from home more. So I think the book can be extremely helpful as a tool to help you create an environment that helps motivate you, but also help you create a space that's practical. So can you tell us, Darla, more about the book and where we can find it? I'd love to. You can find the book anywhere. It is in ebook and paperback on Amazon. And I just got to give a plug for whatever your local bookstore, your local bookseller is, go request a paperback copy from them. You might have to, you know, wait a couple of days for them to order it and have it shipped to you, but, um, you know, got to support our local businesses, small businesses, right? So um, it's called the Upbeat Organized Home Office. It is the third in the Sort and Succeed series. The first one in that series, so we went over Sort and Succeed earlier, so it builds on that. The first book in the series is about organizing your home. The second book is about organizing your kitchen. So that's the one that you want to pick up, Melissa. And then the, the third one is about specifically organizing your home office. And I wrote this book, you know, um, two years ago now because I wanted to, I knew more people were working at home. Remember, think back to 2019 when that was kind of rare still. And um, I wanted to to write a book that would help people like you and me, Melissa, kind of bridge our personal life and our professional life where we were working at home. And so it uh, it helps you not only organize the physical things in your office, it also uh, will help you work on the paperwork, the, fi- the physical paper filing, as well as digital filing and, um, and productivity in, uh, you know, overall. So, uh, there's a lot of productivity gurus out there, but productivity is really just, you know, getting the right things done, um, and, and not having to reinvent the wheel over and over again. Right. So doing them efficiently. And, um, and that's really what I, what I wanted to have out of the book, um, for you, for, for your listeners, for everybody who picks up the book, I don't want you to be overwhelmed by a cluttered home office. Cause I see them so often. I want your home office to look like you. I want it to be beautiful, just like the rest of your house is. And when you walk into your home office, I want you to say, okay, I can get work done here. I don't want you to feel like, oh my goodness, how do I get organized before I can do the work? Right. So that's what the book is all about. It's called the Upbeat Organized Home Office. 
That sounds wonderful. Can't wait to get my hands on it. Now, I want to ask you this for actually for a close friend of mine, but also for any listeners who are already gifted with the skill of organizing because it is a skill. If someone wanted to pursue this as a business, how would you recommend they get started? And maybe you can share a couple of tips you might have about this. Sure. Uh, it is a great business to get into. Um, it is, I could just, you know, I mean, I love my job. I love it, love it, love it. And the people who work for me love organizing. Um, I would just say like any business, uh, you, you don't just want to love organizing. You want to actually be excited about running a business or working for somebody else. Either way, most uh, professional organizers are still uh, solo proprietors or, you know, solo practitioners. Um, I'm, I'm one of a few, um, outfits across the country that do employ, um, you know, my own organizers as well. And they are my employees. They're not subcontractors. So there's only a few opportunities to go out and kind of work for somebody else, but they are out there. Um, but if you're interested in the, in the, field, the place I would point you is to napo.net. So that's N-A-P-O.net. That is my professional organization, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. And you'll find so many great um, resources there. That is the organization that provides my certification, but you don't start by getting certified. You actually start by uh, getting the training and working and then certification is actually um, much further down the road. It's a, a stamp of expertise rather than uh, how you get started. Um, and there's definitely training, uh, lots and lots of training that you want to check out on that napo.net site. You can come to conference. We have a conference every year. Of course, this year it's going to be virtual. Just so many, so many resources. Love it. This has been such an interesting conversation. I love talking to you. You've given us so many ideas that we can get started on a path to better organization and more peace, which is the most important thing. Darla, what is the best way for my listeners to learn more about you or contact you? I would love for them to head over to heartworkorg.com. And if they're really interested in the topic of the home office, I actually have a landing page with some special uh, downloads, free downloads that you can go get. And so that you can get to that at homeoffice.heartworkorg.com. So you can start there and still end up on my website. I would love to hear from any of your listeners. Uh, I do actually answer the phone. I know that's crazy in this day and age, but if you reach out to me by phone, which is on my website, I would love to hear from you. You can email me. I'm an email, self-professed email addict. Uh, So if you are a new person and you reach out to me via email, chances are you'll hear from me the same day. And um, yeah, we also have, I didn't mention this before, but you know, it might be a way for some people to to kind of dip their toe in the organizing pool, so to speak. We have a Facebook group, which is a free uh, sort of a clutter support group that I, that I offer. And so you can find that again, just by going to my website, or if you're on Facebook and you love hanging out on Facebook, go to uh, heartwork. I'm sorry. It's facebook.com slash groups slash heartwork organizing. And you'll, you'll get to our group. That's wonderful. Listeners, um, I think that you should be very pleased with the information that you heard today. I think that Darla's given you a great start so you can start this January on the right foot. 
get your house organized, you will feel better, your kids will feel better, and your relationships will be better too, um, as Darla said. So Darla, thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking to the Blended Family Podcast. Melissa, thanks so much for having me on, and I hope that everybody has a you know, productive, peaceful, and lovely 2021. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Darla DeMauro. And as promised, we are giving away a copy of her book, The Upbeat Organized Home Office. And today's winner is bluepants6 at gmail.com. I do not know your name, but you are the winner. Hey, if you're going to sign up for my newsletter, um, I know for many of you it's too late, but you can always go back in and add your name. And for those of you who have not signed up yet that are going to, Please try to include your first and last name just because it makes it a little bit easier for me to identify you um, and for me to announce that you're the winner. But anyway, congratulations, Blue Pan 6. You are the winner of the book. And as mentioned before, for anyone else that wants to be entered into these future giveaways, all you need to do is be a member of my list at blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. I hope to see you there. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Bye. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.